Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Del Mar opening day. It'll also serve a little bit as a Del Mar meet preview. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatel, far from the Brooklyn bunker out here in beautiful Oceanside, California, at uh, Bagby uh, Brewery. I think I can't remember what the official name of it is. I always just call it Bagby, but it's like the Bagby Brewery. It, it, the name's a little different than that, but it is uh, one of my favorites and very pleased to be here on a gorgeous day ahead of what figures to be an incredibly fun weekend and happy to be joined by a man who's going to be doing a lot more for us at the In The Money Media this uh, Del Mar meeting, not just helping us out on the weekends, giving analysis, but also doing a daily notebook. We have to come up with a name for it. We'll have to see if we're going to be alliterative like Nick's notebook that Nick Tamaro does on the Saratoga side. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll have a pro- production meeting in the middle of the show at some point. But the man I speak of, uh, my oldest friend in racing, really, the guy uh, we got into this together uh, in the mid-1990s, sitting at adjoining cubicles at Simon & Schuster, he is Frank Scatoni. Frank, how are things? Uh, things are great, Pete. You talk about uh, cool, special places to go out in uh, the North County area here in, in, in San Diego. And we were out we were one last night, the Pacific Coast Grill, and enjoying a really nice dinner and uh, perhaps a couple, couple of two – too many libations for me, so I came out. Of, I came out of the gate really fast. I hope I'm not cheap speed. The meat hasn't even started yet. <laughs> we'll have time to get it together. Yeah, I definitely uh, slept a little longer than I was planning. Let's just uh, let's just put it that way. But a great time from uh, Joel and the team over there at the PCG, and of course Steve Goldberg uh, hooking us up as ever. Terrific night. One of my favorite places. We'll be going to be featuring that in an upcoming project too but we keep the lid on that one for now until it's ready um let's talk a little bit generally about the delmar meet before we delve into the specifics of this opening day card do you are i know you're somebody who really handicaps properly and you as evidenced by the fantastic work you do over at santanita.com and also on the dmtc website somebody who really looks at every horse individually and looks at individual matchups but are there any particular angles that you feel like you go back to year after year when it comes to racing at Del Mar? No, you know, because I, I feel like if I do that, then I, I kind of lock myself in a box when I'm handicapping. I mean, there are some things that will stick out more than others just based on experience from having handicapped this, this racetrack so many years. Uh, but I will say that the, the main thing that uh, has really stood out to me over the last couple of years is uh, there's been a pretty pronounced outside bias on the main track. Uh, And, you know, not always, but that's something I'm going to look for very early in the meet and I'm going to track and I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can take advantage of it. Like I have done in years past. And when I, you know, I say bias, it's, it's, it's so hard to really, you know, quantify it or know if it's true or not. But my, my basic uh, criteria is, if I really love a horse and I expect that horse to run huge and that horse is on the inside and the horse runs half a race and tires and doesn't fire, that's going to make me go, hmm, either I was really, really wrong or maybe there's something else going on. Uh, so I'm going to keep an eye out for that. If there are horses who I really like who are stuck on the inside and it looks like they're treading water around the turn, you know, I might start handicapping outside in. And that's an angle that's worked really well for me in sprint races before at Del Mar. So uh, that's one thing that I'm going to be on the radar for. And the other thing is, you know, Del Mar is it's it's really a meet where you have to pay attention because, you know, you have to decide whether or not a horse was in it to win it in their first start at Del Mar or if 
you know, getting a little run over the track to win two weeks from now. So uh, trips are very important. We got big full fields uh, like like last year. Last year's meet was incredible. The racing was phenomenal. Full fields, almost every race, great payouts, really good opportunities for the for the horse player. Let me go back to that bias idea for a second. Is it the typical U.S. bias sometimes of the rail isn't where you want to be, but speed on the outside is good? Or is it more like an old school dead rail that also is like a proper closer biased racetrack, the kind of thing that would be represented by a big plus, you know, 150 kind of number on the racing flow down? Right, right. It's, um, I mean, it could be a little of both. Like if you pay attention and you're watching the head-ons and if you see a horse win wire to wire and the jocks, you know, three pass off the rail, that's going to tell you something. Uh, but typically the winning, the, the winning trip on the dirt in, in sprint races is, well, not five or five and a half, but six and up, you know, six, six and a half and seven tracking on the outside in a comfortable position, no kickback and uh, just in the clear racing riding that good part of the racetrack. That, yeah, very much sounds like what I would call the typical bias in many American yeah. tracks these days. It's just for whatever reason, it's like a fashion in track, being a track superintendent, where I feel like they, right or wrong, they feel like having the rail itself not be super fast. It feels like they think that leads to, to safer racing, yes. but it's not necessarily like you have to be you know, it's not like you can't, not like a synthetic bias that you sometimes see where like you just can't be on the lead, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's interesting to know, something to pay attention yeah, to. I, about the turf course? I was, I was just going to say, sorry, Pete, I was going to say you make a good point about the safety. I think they definitely do things to the track to make it a lot more safer. So um, perhaps that is one reason why the tracking outside trip uh, is more beneficial than, you know, the old school inside speed, go to the lead and hug the rail and don't stop. Oh, I mean, I remember. Do you remember the day with the great racing writer and our terrific friend and mentor, William Murray? Years ago, we caught one of the one of the weeks that I was out here. It was super duper biased. Like you could not pass, and yeah, we it was had a conveyor belt in Wayne. But like in a hilarious way, where there was a race in particular. I don't know if this was on the day that we hit the pick six, taking advantage of this bias, or if it was the day before. But it was almost comical, like. We we were we had the speed horse and like on a normal track, this horse was finished. Like it, it was the kind of thing where you were rooting and I was like, what is wrong with him? Why is he rooting at this horse that's so clearly tired when this horse three wide is cruising up on the bridle and obviously going to pass? And 100 percent, you were right. That speed horse on the rail just get the fuck. Yeah. That's the bias you see these days. That's how Del Mar used to be all the time. Like, you know, just the, the inside. It, Inside speed, go, go, go. But, you know, uh, ever since they, you know, put in the poly and then ripped out the poly, it's been it's been playing more toward the outside. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some days where the inside is perfectly fine. And I'm not going to overplay my hand when it comes to bias, but it's something I pay attention to. Let me ask about the turf course. Are there any um, predispositions you have about that in terms of in terms of bias? Um, you know, conventional wisdom says that as the rails go out, speed holds a lot more. Um, and, you know, that's one thing you want to factor into your handicapping. Uh, but still, when it comes to turf racing, especially at Del Mar, more so than Santa Anita, you really need a horse who can finish. Uh, especially in the mile races, it's very, very hard to wire. 
the field uh, in a mile race on the turf course. You know, not saying it can't be done depending on what the race shape is, but uh, if there's a couple of speed horses in there, uh, they're, they're going to be in trouble. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of looking at that, the fractional splits and finding the horses who can come home the fastest uh, comparatively to the other horses in the race. And, you know, that's one thing that I really use optics for. I love the way they present uh, the circles and squares, which uh, indicate finishing ability. You know, the larger the square, the stronger the finishing ability. So, you know, if their data kind of jives with what I'm, what I'm coming up with, I feel very confident when I go to the windows. Well, that makes sense. It would be a particularly potent tool in, in turf racing, especially, though I'm sure very useful on the, on the dirt as well. How about connections? Anybody you're particularly looking forward to? It's not, again, to, to harken back to the old days, it used to be as simple as bet the Peter Miller uh, first-time starters in the first uh, two weeks of the meet. I, I know that he, you know, he's obviously still a trainer to pay attention to around here, but is there anybody in particular for this meet you think might be uh, loaded for bear? Um, obviously, yeah, Peter Miller, you know, not just with first-time starters. Now he wins with everything. And I, like always, he's been gearing up for the meet. He had a relatively quiet Hollywood meet at Santa Anita Park, uh, you know, perhaps because he was racing his horses to get some fitness into them, pointing to this. You know, he, li- he lives not far from the racetrack. It's his home meet. He's always done very well here. So, you know, keep an eye on the Peter Miller horses, but they'll typically get overbet because, again, that's, that's what people are looking for. I don't really have, again, I don't want to come into it with any preconceived notions. I want to look at each race individually uh, from a race shape perspective. You know, obviously there are some trainers that I, I like. You know, Mark Ladd is a guy that I just happen to, uh, you know, I, I see one of his horses and I, I'm just, I know whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day for Glad. So I, I just lock in on that kind of thing. Um, and again, though, but you, if you, I always say the best thing about spotting a trend is spotting it before everybody else does, right? You want to spot it before it's an actual trend. So if you could do that in the first two weeks and maybe capitalize in weeks three and four, just based on your observations and your note taking and, and kind of figuring out who might be hot and who might be cold, you want to get on it before the public does. That's great advice, and it makes me think to point out that it's not just about uh, wins or or beaten favorites. It's about how horses run compared to how they're like supposed to run. So right. a trainer who has a couple of beaten favorites, but they're second and they had trips, I'm not too worried about. When the trainer has a big favorite and they run nowhere, you know, it might only take one for me to say, hey, well, maybe that's a little bit of a reason with some of my money anyway to take a shot against that trainer. And likewise, the trainer who's heating up, you know, if you wait till they win two of their first three races, even everybody's seen it. But if you find, you know, maybe they had one winner, it's six to one, and then they had another 20 to one shot, run a good fourth. Well, all of a sudden, maybe you can upgrade that, that a little bit. Again, this isn't meant to be at the expense of proper handicapping, but you're just looking for those extra few percentage points to tip the scales in your favor. Would you, would you agree with those notions? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there are horses who you expect to run really well and they don't, you have to go back and try and figure out why. Was it because you just whiffed on the race or you missed something? Or yeah, or you know, maybe the, the jock is ice cold or the trainer's ice cold. And if you can see a pattern... Great. Same thing. Some trainer might have a horse who looks, you know, no good on paper and runs well. And then same thing with the next uh, horse horse the trainer sends out. Okay. 
start to pay attention. You know, maybe this guy was pointing to Del Mar, and even though the form is dirty and ugly and you wouldn't bet that horse based on traditional handicapping, your observation can lead you in a different direction. And I feel like in the modern game, as tough as it is and as computer-dominated as the money is, this is maybe an area, you know, you can't model for what we're talking about. You know, right. you, you'd, you'd end up overfitting and it would screw up a model. But if you're a really shrewd horse player, it is the kind of thing I think in the right situation you can maybe use. And it's it's an act fast. And it's not, you know, it's not a bet all your money thing. It could just be it's very easy to get fooled by randomness playing these games. But I believe a shrewd horse player can find that trainer that's going to go for for his first seven when they're, you know, when they've maybe had two horses run and you can and you can cash in on that. And again, I just feel like it's extra valuable in the modern game because it, it, it just seems like an area where the, the computers, can, it, a rare area where the human brain yeah. can, can outthink the computer. Absolutely. I mean, the game has gotten so much harder and that's because there are so many really smart models out there and, you know, so many uh, good products that, that players can use. And, uh, you know, the markets are very, very efficient. So you got to take your edge wherever you can get it because at some point it's not going to be an edge anymore. So if you find an edge and you spot something, you got to take full advantage of it before that edge disappears. And it will and disappear. <laughs> it will disappear. It'll get armed away. That's the nature of these things. But also this idea that, you know, you're too conservative. It's funny. We always say, like, you're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be smart when you're assessing a bias. And uh, the first two winners win and, and it's a five dollar double and they both went wire to wire and, and you say it's a bias well that's you know you're you're, you're, you're going to be in trouble but if you have maybe a little bit shrewder of a reason to make a guess about the bias after two races like you know maybe that 40 to one that, that hangs on for third or, or that just mm -hmm. outperforms the odds all and maybe a horse rallying from the back that's supposed to run well it sputters yeah take a shot don't be afraid if this is i'm not saying everybody has to do this but if this sounds like an appealing thing to you, like a club you have in your bag, take that shot early because that's before, you know, you, you get out, you get out ahead and you ride it for, for as long as you can. Any horse who you think is going to outrun run those odds and then they do, and they're doing that on a consistent basis, then you know you're locked in and you're onto something. So I think it's absolutely something you need to pay attention to. Um, you know, we always say handicap the handicapper, right? You need to handicap yourself and uh, be honest with yourself and know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, so, you know, be very diligent and very observant early on the meet, and it could really pay dividends, you know, in weeks three, four, five, and six. All right. One more general question before we get into the form um, of the late pick five on this opening day card. Just tell me a thing or a couple of things that you're really looking forward to this meet, whether that's a, a day, a promotion, a party, a horse, etc. I look forward to every day at Del Mar. It's like uh, I was talking to uh, uh, Terry, uh, who you met last night. We were, we were joking because one of our friends is is really, really excited of, excited about Del Mar, as we all are. And he had texted me because I, I wanted to see if he wanted to do something this evening. And he texted me, I can't. It's my yearly tradition with my son. Every, you know, every year, two days before Del Mar starts, we sit down and we watch Let It Ride. And I'm like, well, these are his Christmas awesome. movies, right? It's like Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas in the summer. So <laughs> I just oh, thought that was great. the coolest thing. So yeah, I'm just super excited. Yeah, the meet's going to be terrific. We've got, um, so, you know, the racing is going to be phenomenal. I know Delmar has a lot of really cool promotions going on. Um, 
I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff on Thursdays. We're bringing back the newcomer seminar for folks. So when they come in the, the, the grandstand entrance in the Plaza de Mexico, they can sit down and get a, a free newcomer seminar. I can give a few pointers for people who've never been to the track before. Then on Saturdays, I'll be hosting the on-track seminar one hour before first post. And then on Sundays, I'll be doing my best bet live stream through Del Mar's social media platforms where, uh, you know, I'll have a guest remotely. Uh, and we're going to talk about just a couple of key plays, and that'll be 11 a.m. Pacific time every Sunday. So lots of things that I'm excited about. And, you know, there's always fun. There's good restaurants. Uh, it's just going to be a great summer. Like I said, I just think I might have come out of the gate a little too fast. I got to learn how to rate. <laughs> yeah, well, it's okay. You give you your head for a couple of days and then just hope you settle into that easy beat. Right. That's the way. That's the way to get it done. You'll only have me here as a bad influence through Sunday night. I have the Saratoga. So funny you mentioned about Let It Ride, one of the things we're looking to do um, at the Little House on the East Side this year. We've got Chef Dan coming in one night to man the pizza oven, and I'm making arrangements to do a Let It Ride screening in the backyard, Ooh. so pizza and movies in the backyard. It's going to be awesome. a lot of fun. Maybe yeah. to keep this tradition going, maybe we'll even get you back to Saratoga. That sounds fun. I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about these races on opening day. Now, we, we've joked that, you know, historically, opening day has not been your most successful day of the Del Mar meet. But I do think, is it fair to say, though, that it is a day that that might be some randomness and that it is a day where there does tend to be some more casual money around and, and in theory should be a pretty good day to attack? Yeah, it should be a great a great opportunity to make money. The cards stack. There's such good racing, uh, plenty of opportunities. But for some reason, I don't know. I just the opening day. I've never really had a successful opening day. And if you if you ask Michelle, you she'll tell you that because a couple of opening <laughs> days we've gone head to head, and and she's beaten me every time, and she she never fails to fails to remind me about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle not around for this opening day. She's heading uh, back east to Monmouth. Uh, for, for Haskell Day, but uh, yeah, we'll have her on, obviously, covering Del Mar, too, as the summer goes on. Maybe we'll have, we'll, we'll, we'll choose it in your advantage. You pick a day you historically do well, and you will challenge, you challenge her to a head-to-head, and we'll have you both on. How about that? That's a great idea. We should do that in a couple of weeks. I would love that. Um, but, you know, maybe it's just a case of, uh, you know, trying too hard. The hitter, the hitter who takes too big of a cut and ends up missing the yep. ball, you know. You, you, <laughs> the TPs came out on, on Tuesday, you know, you start studying, several days in advance and, you know, maybe you, you overthink things or you, you, you think it's a great opportunity. So you try a little too hard. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe it is just randomness or, you know, just who knows, but Let's I'll, try, I'll try it again on Friday. I mean, I'm not going to give up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's start with the sixth race that kicks off the pick five, seven thirty-eight Eastern four thirty-eight local. We've got a flat five furlong turf allowance race. How do you want to light this candle? My friend, well, talk about a sequence. 61 horses are entered in this late pick five with the sh uh, shortest morning line favorite at three to one. We've got some tough, tough races. And if you are right, you will be paid. Uh, and this is a really competitive race to kick off the sequence. I think several of these horses can win. Uh, I narrowed it down to three A's and one B, but I'm still not super confident because, like I said, I, th I thought this was a really tough race. I'll just give you the, the horses, uh, the A's I like in numerical order. Number one, Hot Rod Rumble. I don't have to tell you that this horse has speed, drew the rail. So right off the bat, 
that interests me, especially at the morning line. I believe 12 to 1. Uh, Barocio is a very good under-the-radar trainer. And if you look at the owner, it's Rockingham Ranch. They win a lot of races, and they win a lot of these types of races at Del Mar. I know the horse has never been on turf before, but I think that's factored into the price. So, I, I, you know, that horse could just break break sharply and, and you know, not, not look back. You talked earlier about uh, turf racing. Well, with these, with these five furlong turf sprints, trip is of paramount importance. So you really want horses who have speed and who aren't going to get into trouble. I'm not saying closers can't come from off the pace to win it, but uh, they're at a disadvantage. And so are stalkers who might be four wide around the turn. Just natural centrifugal force is going to, you know, prevent them from, from sustaining their, their strong run in a short race like this. But that's just an aside. So number one, Hot Rod Rumble, I think, has a really big chance. Uh, we talked about Peter Miller. He wins a lot of turf sprints at Del Mar. Number four, Liberty Forever. Uh, the horse is versatile. He forwardly placed in a good spot. I think that horse has a big shot. And then number nine, Chasing Money. This is a horse I have been chasing for a while, and he's been costing me money. But uh, I feel like he's in a really good shot, uh, in with a really good shot this time. I've been disappointed in, in his performances because I have lost money, but I can really make excuses for some of his efforts. Uh, the most interesting thing to me, though, was last summer he was 9-1 to one against better horses, and he ran a really good race. I know he shows up fifth in the form, but he had a ton of trouble. Uh, Cedillo did him no favors, had him in a good spot, then got him blocked, and the horse really never had a chance to run. I, I think this horse will show up today. And then I'm going to use number five, Ambivalent, as my B. But, you know, like I said, this is a tough, tough race. Is Ambivalent not the six, Frank? Oh, did I get that wrong? Sorry. Do you have it in front of you? Right. We should no, no, that. No, I wrote the six. That's a typo. Sorry. Um, no worries. Hopefully we fix that for your other work. No, no. People can. I was with you on chasing money. Chasing money to me, very, very interesting. Second time off the layoff. Lots of races good enough in the PPs. Looks a tremendous overlay to me at eight to one some tactical speed and possibly a great setup in a race that does have, uh, you know, seemingly a lot of speed. Interestingly, not coded as such on Timeform US, which is another reason why I am giving a look to the one runner that you mentioned, uh, Hot Rod Rumble. That's a horse that uh, I will have in the mix as a, as a B runner in this spot. The other A's I was interested in, I thought that Ambivalent looked really interesting off this very long layoff, but just clearly looks to me to be a better horse on turf. And that was a very live last race Four next out winners looks to be training. Well, no inside information there. Um, but one that I, uh, one that I definitely wanted to use and, and yeah, then my B runner was going to be the one hot rod rumble. It sounds like we're both against the favorite here. Um, the 10 runner who I just thought to be uh, King Apollo four to one on the morning line, just maybe too deep of a closer to want as the favorite in a spot like this. I mean, there is the speed that we mentioned, but I'm just not, uh, I'm not sold. I, I met maybe on one backup line, like sort of a C level, but, but a horse where I feel like the real value of the race might be trying to beat the 10. Is that, is that how you yeah, saw that I, as well? I, I mean, the horse is perfectly fine, but I, I was not, I was not all that, all that interested. Um, yeah. You know, these five furlong turf sprints, I really don't want someone who's going to come from, from that far back again, like I said, they can still win, but um, you know this is a whole different animal. The you know, the Santa Anita the Santa Anita turf sprints are a whole different animal than the uh, the Del Mar turf sprints. So um, I, I wasn't going to use for a penny actually. 
Yeah, I get it. And and like I said, just a deep backup for me. Let's move to the next race in the sequence, which is race number seven. We got a starter allowance going a mile on the dirt, and I'll kick this one off. I thought the eight Clooney looked like the one that I wanted to put on top. Should be a terrific setup for this horse and just in very strong form with good numbers. The five Golden Eye, a horse I wanted to use, keeps getting better. Versatile, dual surface performer. And I thought uh, certainly had a chance to be the best of speed. It can look like there's a lot of speed, and sometimes the speed of speed wins anyway. Maybe that's Golden Eye. And then I wanted to include Big Hat Willie in the mix. One well at Los Alamo, uh, Alamitos. I almost said Los Alamos. Very different. Maybe I have the, the Oppenheimer movie in my head or something. Uh, despite the trip, I think the race will be run to suit. Three-year-old against older. That was the thing I wanted to ask you specifically about about uh, this horse, the two big hat Willie. Is that a negative at Del Mar? Would you? Um, it's yeah. I mean, we're getting later on in the year where it's not as big as it was earlier in the year, but it's still something that uh, I look out for. I have no problem betting a three-year-old against older if they're a decent price, but you know, if if the horse is a favorite, uh, taking a lot of money as a three-year-old against older horses. I'm typically going to try and, and bet against that horse. Uh, you got Big Hat Willie at six to one. I mean, that's not, you know, that's a nice price. So if you wanted to use them, you know, go ahead. I had a really hard time with this race, Pete. And, you know, I, I was looking at it and I go, you know, I should be an expert with these starter allowance races because Santa Anita ran a ton of them. So I've ha- been yep. handicapping them over and over for the last six months. But I had a really, really hard time. I thought this was a very, very competitive race. I have no knocks on the horses you mentioned, um, but I, I have two A's, and then you know maybe I'll throw in some of your horses as B's. But you do have a common horse, number five, Golden Eye. That's one of my top picks. Uh, I like this four-year-old. Has run some decent races at this level. You know, clearly Erton was expecting him to be a, a, a decent turf horse, and that didn't pan out. But if you look at his two off-the-turf races, they're they're okay, and I can I can see this one being you know fit and ready for a main track effort uh, in this race. You know, I, I like that uh, nine furlong turf race and cutting back to a mile. So that's that's always nice. Uh, and the other horse I was going to use as an A is is uh, number three, Two Rivers Over. Uh, this is a three-year-old, so I, I don't, like I said, I don't mind taking a shot three-year-old against older if the horse is going to be an okay price. I'm not crazy about recent maiden breakers going first time against winners, uh, no matter what the level is. Uh, but this horse I thought was a little different because if you look, he broke his maiden at Ellis Park. O'Neill saw fit to claim the horse for 30000 bring him to Del Mar for the ship and win, and he's protecting him. He's running him in a starter allowance. So I, I thought that was enough of a story to make me think that uh, O'Neill saw something in this horse uh, that had, the horse had a little upside. And, you know, if you look back, the horse has some okay races against, you know, straight maidens. So... Uh, this could be a this could be a decent spot for this horse. I see it for sure. No other ones you wanted to mention as backups in this spot. Sort of uh, just leave it with the five and the three as far as the the picks grid that I'm going to send around for the plus people goes. I would tell the, the folks, yeah, you definitely use the five and the three, and then use all your horses. Tough. Yeah, you can make Clooney a B. Um, yeah, I'll put the two in the eight. I'll put the two in the eight as backups if you're uh, if you're good with that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. totally fine. Let, we'll move on to race number eight. This is the feature, the traditional feature, the Caesar's Sportsbook Oceanside Stakes. 
We're going a mile on the turf with 100000 in the pot. Who gets the job done? Ah, this is such a cool race. I mean, what a big full field. Uh, even with this giant full field, remember remember the old days when the Oceanside would always split? They'd have so yep. many Oh, yeah, have many two years. Divisions, two divisions of the Oceanside every year. That was the good old days. But not, no knocks on this race. Uh, the racing secretary did a terrific job filling this race. Uh, I love I love this opening day feature. It's one of my favorite races of the year. Um, I I was going to plan a flag with a lone A in here with number one classical cat. I think this horse looks really, really good. My concern is that, you know, he might get buried down at the rail in this big full field and encounter some traffic. But, you know, this horse has only one bad race on the form, and it came while breaking from a dead dirt rail in a grade one last year. So if you X that race out, you look at the form, horses won every every race on the turf. So uh, that just tells me that this is a talented, this is a racehorse. And, you know, D'Amato really does a terrific job when pointing a quality horse to a spot. So I think that's the horse to beat. Uh, my Bs are going to be number seven, Agency. This horse definitely has some ability. I know he hasn't been around two turns before, so that's a little bit of a problem. But I liked his three-year-old debut, and he certainly came home fast enough in that sprint race to suggest that two turns won't be an issue. And then number 10, Escape Artist. I would use, I've always liked this horse. He always puts forth an honest effort, but um, you know, that 10, the 10 hole is going to be a little, little tricky for him. So I was, that's, you know, I'm making him a B, but my, yeah, my A is going to be classical cat and going to plant a flag right there. One with seven, 10. I had classical cat in the mix too, but I put panic alarm on top the horse that I saw run at Ascot. And you got to remember that 20 to one in a race like the Britannia where panic alarm ran last, is actually bet. That's a 30-runner handicap. Um, and the horse had solid form before that, goes well left-handed. I thought Panic Alarm was a very interesting face, uh, new face in the crowd here. Classical Cat, as you mentioned, not an easy situation, and I wouldn't want that short of a price, but I think there's a chance that Rispoli could just get position going forward, settlement pack, and make a late run. So I'm going to leave Classical Cat in the mix. The other one I wanted to mention, and this is, this is more a B for me, and Long-time listeners will be surprised because this may be the – I've been doing podcasts for – let's see. We started in 2014. Yeah, that's almost a decade. This is the first Bob Baffert turf horse I've ever picked. Number six, really? Mr. Fisk. Here's my case. I mean, this is as a backup, but – or are you saying really that I'd never picked one before? <laughs> no, no, that you're um, picking one. I, I love it. I mean, because everybody has the same, you know, the same thought. Knee-jerk. Like, oh, yeah. not going to get on the turf, but if you can make a case for yeah. one and the horse wins, it'll probably be Here, the longest price baffer you'll, you'll have all meet. <laughs> exactly. Here's the case. Good closing sectionals on the dirt. And yes, arrogates are not good on turf. But I'm not taking that that seriously because it's the kind of thing where the arrogates don't get nearly as many chances on turf because so many of them are good on dirt. So, I mean, the numbers stink, but... You know, again, you're going to be compensated in price. And here's the thing. I'm just a huge believer that the damn side pedigrees are underrated. And this damn side's all turf. You know, Galileo is the damn sire. And the dam was a good turf for it. It was a stakes winner on turf. So it just could be a, a situation where the dynamics, and it's going to be a fast pace. So there's a chance this horse, ugh, and I just noticed like, it's going to hurt the price a little that I had not seen before. Mr. Fisk is actually the time form algorithm's first pick, probably because of those late closing sectionals. But uh, anyway, this is a horse I think is going to be all of eight to one, probably more like 
10 or 12 to 1. And I just wanted in the mix as a backup. Mainly 11 and 1, but uh, definitely some 6 for me as well. Are you, are you convinced? Yeah. Would you use the horse? No, well, well, here's the funny, the funny thing is that uh, there are two horses in this race where, uh, you know, I, I don't pick because of my my preconceptions, and, and you have both of them on your ticket. So the Baffer horse, you know, I'm not going to use uh, again just because I'm I'm here. I'm being a little stubborn, you know. I just I, tough for me to bet Baffer on the turf because just that's just not his game. That's not what he excels at. Uh, not to say that he can't win. You make a very good case for him. And then Panic Alarm, you know, I, I'm a little stubborn with with John Sadler imports. You know, he just. They, they run well, but they, they don't usually win. So my thought was maybe this horse was prepping for the La Jolla or even maybe the Del Mar Derby later in the meet. But, you know, you called out the horse's Euroform. And how many times have we seen um, even mediocre Euroform come over here and and look super classy against our turf horses? So I'm not going to argue against you. I'm not going to use those two. But, you know what, you're going to get good prices on both of them. Yeah, what did you pull the stat for Sadler with the first time in North America? I did not. I, I should have done that, and I didn't. Well, that's just something that I know uh, intuitively, but just glancing at the racing yes. form, he's zero for ten. You know, it's just right zero for ten in the yeah. in the in the last uh, two years or whatever. Yeah, and Sadler. I can't remember yeah. him ever having. But that's never really been his game. You know, uh, this is only a right. recent thing. So it's you know maybe maybe now he'll 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 start to figure it out. You know, we see that so many times. Yeah, hopefully. Like, I think one time we talked about like, you know, how, uh, you know, there was a time when you could, and I'm, I'm dating myself, there was a time when you could never bet a Nick Zito first ever. And all of a sudden he started yeah, to get yeah. a little bit different stock and then he started to win with first time starters. So you can't lock yeah, yourself. Lapenta. When he got LaPenta as a client and they started yeah. spending all this money at the sales on fast two-year-olds, all of a sudden that, uh, that, that <laughs> stat went, uh, went, went through wire. Exactly. Yeah, it's who's, the, who's the owner? It's interesting that this is a Ronis horse too. No, so I know he's had he's had he's had a bunch of Ronis imports uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, we'll see. That'll be very interesting. If, if let me, I'll put it this way: if this one doesn't run well, and I know it's also a tough post, but if this one doesn't run well, I'll, I'll really start to uh, take a second look at them. I mean, five to you wouldn't want less than the five to one of the morning line, but I, mean, I, I think you're going to get all of that. All right, let's yeah. proceed to. Um, the next race we're going to be talking about, which is race number nine. We've got an allowance race going six and a half on the dirt here. And I had a couple of horses that stood out to me who I think are going to be good prices. So the number 10, Rifey, I wanted to talk about. I thought this horse looked locked. Late runner in a race full of speed. This is second off a very long layoff, a 400-day layoff. The figures are competitive. And you look through the PPs, this is a horse who's caught some slow paces previously, which obviously can really make a closer look worse than they are. So I wanted 10s on the ticket. The 11 touchdown Brown, I thought was a late runner getting back onto the right surface, which I also really liked. And then the third one I wanted to use here was the one Delmar Jerry. Might be tricky from the rail, but this is a flow move up um, in great hands who had a chance, I thought, to be the best speed. I got to use somewhere, maybe more of a B for Delmar Jerry, 10 and 11 horses that I'm happy to go to war with in this spot. How did you see the ninth race? Yeah, well, if I tell you all my horses, then we'll have the whole field covered. We're a little oppo. We're a little oppo in here. No, no, actually, we, we both have Delmar Jerry. I'll talk about it. But it's just I, I have I threw a couple of others in as B's that, that you didn't have. And I didn't have the ones that you talked about. Uh, but, um, you know, how I, I talked about in the previous race. You know, I'm a little stubborn with Baffert on the turf. I'm a little stubborn with 
with Sadler Imports. Well, here's a race where uh, there are two things that I'm typically stubborn with, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna zig and zag here because uh, I actually like these horses. So these are horses that I don't typically play, but in this particular spot, I think it's okay. So the first one is number five, Sir Atticus. I thought his debut was terrific, uh, even though he finished fourth. I was lucky enough to be on him when he broke his maiden in his next start at nearly six to one. I thought in both races he showed uh, a little bit of class. Like I think this, I think this horse could go on and, and make some noise in the allowance, you know, the allow, upper allowance ranks and maybe even some stakes races. In that race, he stalked the pace. He took over when asked. He won as easy as you please. It was a really, really good effort. But again, I typically don't like to take recent maiden breakers first time against winners, right? So here I am, you know, going against something that has, you know, traditionally worked out well for me. Uh, but I think this horse has plenty of upside. So I, I'm going to go against my my normal thinking and, and step outside my box a little bit with number five, Sir Atticus. And again, not my kind of play because I hate the rail at six and a half furlongs. And especially, you know, got to be careful if, if the rail's not good at Del Mar, that's trouble. But uh, same Del Mar Jerry, the one horse, same, same thing you said. This horse can run. I mean, just draw a line through the last try when this horse was uh, going two turns in the affirmed. I think he's ready to be a you know be a big one. He's just got to get out of the rail. He's got plenty of speed. He's just got to get off the rail and out of the gate. Um, and you know, if if he finds the right part of the track, he could you know he could take them gate to wire. So those were going to be my two A's. Number one, Delmar Jerry. Number five, Sir Atticus. And then I was going to say you could use two, seven, ten, and twelve as B's if you want more protection. Um, super spready there because I thought that was a very competitive race. Yeah, it's tricky. I, I don't mind the idea of trying to construct something where we use all of the ones that we uh, that we talked about in this spot. One more race to talk about. It's our nightcap. It goes as race number 10, 9.38 Eastern, 6.38 local. Plenty of time to finish up and maybe roll over to the, uh, the PCG and, uh, and get that sunset table and enjoy that. Uh, we've got an allowance race. We're going a mile and an eighth on the tarp. When it comes to all these late picks at Del Mar, Frank, how are we going to get paid? Well, I just talked about how I don't like Sadler first time in the in the country, and here's an example of a horse that uh, was first time in the country last time, ran yep. well, but lost, had some trouble, might have won. So, you know, Sadler can have them ready to run. So your pick isn't in the other races and isn't too far off. But again, the horse didn't win. But I really like the the one uh, twist here today. I really like that. I like that debut. Uh, may not have been fully cranked. You had some trouble uh, in that race and still ran well. I think the added distance will certainly help this horse. If you look at his mile and eighth races overseas, uh, he was terrific. So that that's that's my play. That's the, the that's my A. I'm singling singling that horse in the last race. Uh, I think he's the best horse in the race, and I think I think he should win if he gets if he gets the right trip. I wasn't really fond of anybody else, but uh, I will probably throw two horses in underneath. Uh, number two, Astronomer. Astronomer, sorry. <laughs> um, based on his race, you can factors, take the boy out of Long Island. I know. Right? Did you, you hear that? Long Island actually right in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Frank Tate. My, uh, you know, my buddy Frank Tate. He he gets on me all the time because. He's like, oh, what are you doing this week, Frank? Because he always sets me up. I go, oh, I'm playing in a tournament, a tournament, you know, a real heavy Long Island accent. He's like, what, a tournament, a tournament? 
So we joke about that. But anyway, astronomer. What do they say? Tournament? What? I don't he even says, know. What does it say? He says tournament. Tournament. I say tournament. Tournament. What? Tournament. Oh, I say tournament. So I like, like a horse, like a you know, you going a band goes on tour. So I say tournament. Yeah, yeah, tour. Yeah, and then he's, some people say tour too. So yeah, he's from California. More he, he says tournament. tournament. I don't know. Tournament. But anyway, astronomer. <laughs> we, should, we should get our buddy Andrew to say that in his Australian accent. Oh well, he. Well, I, 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 people now. I made fun of him at dinner last night, but I didn't do it on the air. But his he got he got he did the Delmar lifestyle show. A plus for content, F for pronunciations. He's talking about Cedros. He's talking about Via della Valle. He's talking about something set up in the car park, not the parking. I mean, it was a it was a, it was a disaster. But, I love you know, it. We we, we soldiered. We sold you through. So what is it you like about this astronomer? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, number two, astronomer. I have that horse as a B based, just based on his race back here back in 2021. I know, I know it was a long time ago, uh, but it was a terrific race. And he, you know, his, his juvenile form is, is really, really good. I know he's missed a lot of time, but if the horse has matured at all and, you know, they geld the horse, they bring the horse, they still want to race the horse. They still think the horse can run. Uh, you know, Callahan, he can get them ready off a long layoff. So I'm not too worried about that. Uh, but, you know, it, this is a very tough hurdle to overcome. November 5th, 2021 was the horse's last race. So, um, but, you know, I could use that horse as a B. And then if you want another, you know, you could use number nine, flashiest. Problem with him is I've used him plenty of times before and he always runs really well. He's a nice horse. But he's second or third, second or third. Picks up a lot of checks, horse you love to own, horse you love to play underneath in your other gimmicks. Um, but that said, he does have a win. One of his wins is here at Del Mar. So uh, I, I would consider using number nine flashiest. And also Leonard Powell. He's had a terrific year. He does a really, really good job. I, I like Leonard Powell a lot. We talked earlier about, you know, certain trainers you, you take closer looks at. Powell is definitely one of them. And uh, he's a good under the radar guy. You can, you know, still get some really good prices on his horses. We are in lockstep pretty much in this one. Twist, just super logical to me. I thought that was a strong effort against the flow and some, some pretty nice uh, French form. And the other thing I noticed about Twist's French form, all the best races came left-handed. So this is one I'm expecting to step up here in a race where there should be absolutely uh, plenty of pace to set up a late run. I also had Flashiest in the mix. Just one of those things where... You know, if, if pace can trump all, right? And if it's a meltdown of meltdowns, he could get brave, and it, it just sets up for a closer. And the yeah. other horse I wanted to mention, who I thought would get a great setup from mid-pack, was the 11. Yes, this time. So I had it with the 9 and the 11 as backups with both with twist to close things out. I like this. This is a good amount of agreement with enough, like, different horses that I think we can put some fun tickets together without breaking the bank. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, – sitting down and playing this opening day with you, my friend. It's going to be a great time. Really appreciate your help giving us guidance, not just for opening day, but for some stuff to look for the whole meet long. Any closing thoughts before I let you get out of here? No, just, you know, it's a, it's a great day of racing. You know, if you can make it out to Del Mar, come down to Quigley's Corner in the paddock this weekend and come say hi to, to me and, and Pete will probably be down there and a couple of other people. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just come out, enjoy yourself. And if you're playing at home, uh, same thing. You know, this is, 
you know, I joked about how this is a horse player's Christmas week. You know, it's, we got Del Mar, Saratoga's, you know, already a week, week or so in. Uh, this is what this is what we live for. This is why we do what we do. Uh, if so. you can't have a good time here, it's possible that you just can't have a good time throw that out there. And so, so yeah, so for Saratoga, Nick does Nick's notebook. What are yes. we? What are we gonna? What are we gonna call your piece that you're doing for Plus? I don't know, Frank's Files. I don't know. I'll have to think of something. <laughs> That's not bad, Frank's Folio, Frank's Files, Scatoni. I don't. You know, we'll we'll work on that. We'll we'll workshop that a little bit. And are you up for coming back for me for the late week show on Friday to talk about the the Saturday card as well? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Well, plenty of you this summer. Can't get enough. Really enjoyed this, Frank. Great fun. Thanks to you. Thanks to our friends at Delmar Racing for sponsoring this broadcast. Hey, we'll thank our founding partners, too, uh, Ten Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. But most of all, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. Hit us up. Uh, subscribe to In The Money Plus. Great extra stuff happening this summer. InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus the place to check that out. For Frank Scatoni. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.